0: Welcome to the Mainline Podcast. I'm Adam Jacquez, joined this evening by Tyler Burton, my co-host. We've got a loaded podcast here, really diving into some of the spring stickball sports, baseball and softball preview. We'll talk a little bit about basketball as well because uh, we're still in full swing there. But Tyler, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Adam. Don't want to spend too much time talking about basketball. Um, I feel like kind of all OU fans are ready to move on from from the uh uh court sports as as far as the men's side goes. But yeah, very, very excited about tonight's episode. Got a loaded of podcasts, you know. Kind of feels like we we take pride, uh Adam, you know, with this podcast covering, you know, diamond sports, maybe a little bit more heavily than others. Uh, By comparison, especially on the softball side of things, but with baseball ramping back up, excited about the two guests that we've got on tonight, excited to talk some OU baseball. Um, Let's dive into it, man. Yeah, absolutely.
0: 10 days away from the first baseball game. So we do got to give them uh, their proper due and make sure that everyone's informed about everything that's going on there. And I can't think of two better guests um, that are more plugged into OU baseball than our two guests tonight. Uh, so we're uh, excited to welcome in Johnny Baseball. You can find him on Twitter. I've actually already linked his Twitter profile in our show notes, as well as Brandon Schultzy. So uh, Brandon Schultz, rather, but goes by the the uh, the moniker Schultze. Um, which you might hear from him on Twitter and on Twitter Spaces, guys. Welcome to the Mainline Podcast. I would love uh, to hear a little bit intro from you guys as far as you know what brought you to the forefront of the OU baseball discussion, and kind of give everyone a little bit of an introduction there.
2: Bernie, want to go? Or you want me to?
3: No, it, it's definitely Johnny because I, I, you know, I, you know, watched OU baseball and followed it my whole life. I've always been a college baseball fan. I actually uh, grew up around in the Tulsa area, so I m- went to most. You know, or Roberts baseball games was where I really got my college baseball exposure from. Uh, But I kept up with both teams, you know, went to as many OU baseball games as I could, especially when they played, you know, in Tulsa. And uh, and then after I got out of college, you know, continued to really stay involved with the team because, you know, I, I did play a little college ball myself. So I was pretty wrapped up in that during the seasons. And then it was nice to come out of that and be a fan again. And, uh, and then, you know, Johnny's really the one that really, really got me back into it. And uh, most, most of this is his baby, so I'll, I'll let him talk about
2: it. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it, man. No, I, uh, I actually used to be a high school baseball coach back in the early 2000s. And uh, I just, I, you know, had enough kids that came through my, my programs that, uh, you know, I got exposed to the program myself. And I ended up getting my degree from there. And, uh, you know, while I was going to school there, I'd, I'd watch a ton of baseball. I mean, I'd go to practice. I'd, you know, watch some of the kids that, you know, that I coached, uh, Derek Vaughn and, uh, Ryan Gibson, you know, I didn't put them there, but you know, I, they, uh, like I said, they came through my program. So I, uh, you know, got that little bit of a connection as far as that goes, hmm. it's loose at best, but, uh, no, I'd say that my, uh, my fandom really got, you know, super strong there towards the end of the, uh, the, Gal- the Galloway era. You know, I mean, we're making the, the postseason consistently and uh, it just was a you know, ripe time. We had some really good players, especially, you know, uh, in those uh, even going back to like the Koschel era. You know, you got Joe Dunnigan, you got uh, Ryan Rowlinger, you got uh, Jackson Williams, J.T. Wise, you know, and then once you get into the uh, uh, the Galloway era, you know, you've got guys like uh, uh, Garrett Bouchelle, or yeah, mm-hmm. Garrett Bouchelle. I mean, Garrett Bouchelle is basically the Baker Mayfield of, of OU baseball. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. Kid was a uh, was a walk on when he got here, and absolutely tore it up. I mean, we're talking, you know, uh, all Big Twelve pretty much every year. The guy guy was a starter. It's you know, I've I've seen a lot of OU baseball over the years, and then you know we get to the P. Hughes era, and we'll uh, we'll treat that like the '90s for football <laughs> football. <laughs> But no, uh, I I just have gotten so, uh, you know, I hate to use the word infatuated with it, but I mean it, it takes up a lot of a lot of my time. I mean, when I'm not doing my job as a oil and gas title man, I'm pretty much you know messing around with something O U baseball, and uh, these guys deserve fans like us. You know, we're heading to the SEC pretty soon, and I, I'm pretty sure you guys understand that once mm. we get there, our fandom does not quite meet up with their type of fandom. We have, uh, you know, we don't, we don't like to use the word casual around here, but we do have a lot of casuals, but we mm-hmm. also have had, you know, the Yardbirds. Well, we've got the Berm bums. We've got, we've got factions that can, you know, take us to the sec. If we allow it. And I, uh, I just, I, I want, I want that to be the thing once we get there, you know, the product on the field right now is matching what we, what we expect and what we're going to expect in the sec. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, making the postseason consistently. And, uh, if you're gonna do that, you're gonna have to have those crazy fans like like they uh, like those SEC programs do. I mean, have you ever been to like, or seen an LSU game or a uh, or a Mississippi State game? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an absolute madhouse.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a totally different atmosphere. You know, uh, JB, I'm glad that you mentioned it. Like I said, you know, I had a couple buddies from high school. They went to play baseball, Texas A&M, and you're right. You know, once you go down into the SEC country. Going down there for a weekend series in College Station for Texas A&M versus LSU, I I kind of attribute it a little bit to comparing it to the Oklahoma softball fan base where, you know, from Adam and I's time, you know, working, you know, in the ticket office at Oklahoma, you know, OU football, you know, that's true and true. That's the biggest brand. You know, that's what Oklahoma is known for is their football program. But when you start talking about fan bases, OU softball is as good as it gets and, it kind of feels like every single baseball program in the SEC is at that heightened level and that's something that Oklahoma fans are going to have to they're going to have to realize very very quickly because once OU transitions into the SEC we've got some work to do in terms of game day atmosphere home field advantage and I hope that Oklahoma fans are ready because it's coming fast
2: well, from what I understand, OU's taking some uh, some action on that, that front. You know, we got Leah Beasley from, uh, you know, call it Stark Vegas out there, yep. you know, Mississippi State. And I think, you know, under her leadership, as far as, you know, fan outreach and fan engagement and game day environment, uh, who she's putting in place, from what I understand, they should, we should have that kind of atmosphere as far as what OU is going to do with, on their side. Because, you know, sitting out on the berms, it's it's free. I, I wanted to mention this on our own podcast, and I just haven't got it, got to it. But, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, the SEC fandoms and what they've got. And, like, uh, I've been poking at Mississippi State, and I'm sorry. But they, you know, they, they just are kind of a, a standout fandom, as crazy as they are. But, you know, they have the beer showers. They have the that right field group that goes absolutely nuts whenever they hit a home run. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily have that at OU right now. And that's what I'm trying to build through the through the Doc Pizza Party, and I know it sounds it sounds weird to talk about pizza and baseball, but the berms are free right now. That may not be that way for very much longer. If we're going to pack that place out, you got to got to draw them in to the inside as well as the outside because th- there is absolutely no reason why that berm shouldn't be packed, especially when like we have bedlam all three games this year. If we're if we're clicking on all cylinders by then that place should be should be nuts and especially with a with a free berm and being able to do pretty much whatever you want to do out there and as far as the Doc B Pizza Party goes that it's kind of gotten seen as okay during conference play on Saturdays we get free pizza and that's exactly what happens but the Doc B Pizza Party started out as you know bring your family out there for forty dollars for the whole thing you're getting to watch a game you're getting to have all the pizza you can probably probably stand and you get to bring your own drinks i mean that's you can't beat that and you know from what i understand it, the dude in mississippi they charge for that and when this uh, when when you get the renovations and everything the berms are going away and so mm-hmm. we've got to prepare now and prepare groups that are going to want to buy the the corrals you know I, I don't know if y'all have seen the renditions but we have these they're called corrals and uh Oklahoma State has the stables. Me and Brandon got to see them up close last year. I I, I, I dislike Oklahoma State, but I also envy what they have. Mm-hmm.
3: Beautiful ballpark. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think going back to, you know, talking about the, the incoming uh, kind of marketing director, uh, Leah Beasley, when you look at the school investing in the program, I think it took a lot of, You know, a lot of last year's run. I think you're going to see more investment from the school in the program for multiple reasons. Uh, One is obviously, like Johnny said, the product on the field, but I think there is more interaction. Not to say that what me and Johnny are doing is like leading charge to make them do something in the program, but I think there's lots of other people like us that are now constantly interacting on Twitter, constantly talking about the team. You know, uh, Tattoo Baker putting out you know, stuff about baseball. Now uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of more, those mainstream Twitter guys talking about baseball yeah. is getting a lot of people involved. And I think once the school starts seeing more people gravitating toward a program, they're going to allocate more resources to it. And you're start, I think we're starting to see that right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely excited to see, you know, hopefully as the, the fan base is really bought in, I, I think this is probably the first time even going back to my time working in the athletic department uh, back through 2017 it's the first time that I felt like the fan base actually knows that baseball starts in February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my <laughs> joke was always that no one ever knew that baseball was even going on until maybe there might be a chance at postseason play and then they start engaging, but the fan base is engaged right now. And I think they're excited to see, and I'm excited to see what, you know, the atmosphere is like at at, at, Ellen, at the uh, Eldale Mitchell Park mm-hmm. uh, here uh, for opening weekend coming up in, in about 10 days. But I, I think there is definitely a lot of, Question marks about what this team is, is going to look like, because there's so many new faces, uh, a lot of guys that maybe fans aren't familiar with for those that, you know, had watched the team the entire year last year, or maybe even the ones that just watched the, the final series against Ole Miss. Um, there's a lot of new faces there and specifically on the mound uh, for pitchers. So I'll throw this one to either of you guys, whoever wants to jump in and provide some insight there. But the entire weekend rotation is gone. Uh, no David Sandlin, no Jake Bennett, no Kate Horton, no closer and Trevin Michael. So it's all going to be fresh faces starting on the weekend. But what should OU fans you know, expect or, or maybe some names that they need to know going into this year on the mound?
2: Well, I'm going to take this one because I think that right now what we're seeing is kind of the nature of the program or, or nature of college baseball, if you will. Uh, it's going to be. From here on out, especially with how things went down during the COVID year, you know you've got some inflated rosters, and so I think what we're gonna you're gonna see a lot of is we're gonna play that that portal as best we possibly can. Everybody is, you, you if you can play the portal well and you can, uh, you know, bring in a, a nice freshman class so you have a base throughout your your you know that cycle, uh, you're gonna do do a lot of damage, and I I honestly believe that that's what OU's done right now. You know we went out and we you, like you said. David Sandlin's gone. Cade Horton's gone. Jake Bennett's gone. But if I look back, you know, back to 2021 or or, or last year, sorry, 2022, uh, we lost two of three starters in that rotation. We lost Jason Ruffcorn, who is arguably one of the better closers in OU history, and we traded him out for, for Trevin Michael. Who are we going to trade out for him this year? You know, I think that we have some of those, uh, some of those arms, you know, if you can get Griffin Miller healthy, you have a, a triple digit pitcher right there. Who's possibly your closer. If he's, if he's a hundred percent, uh, you know, on the front end, you have Cale Davis, who is an Oklahoma State transfer, and uh, honestly, I think that is probably one of the better gets you can can pull out of the portal this year. I mean, I I know the LSU is just stacking up, up picks, but I mean, OU didn't do too bad of a job. We have three of the top uh, fifty impact transfers in in uh what is it? Uh, Bryce uh, Madron, uh, Cale Davis, uh-huh. and um, I'm tre- the oh Adam Walker. I mean, those are. All three very great, you know, great, awesome picks for us to have this offseason, and so it's more of let's uh, let's try to reload rather than you know retool. And I'm I, I honestly believe that's what they've done.
3: I think the the other thing that you got to look out for that X factor is a, a guy named Skip Johnson. Uh, yep. I mean he he is a pitching guru, and uh, there's a reason why MLB players come and and talk to him about pitching. I I love that Johnny mentioned you know Jason Refcorn, and then you know pulling, what were we going to do? Jason refcorn has gone, you know, one of the better, you know, re- closers that OU's ever had. And then we followed up with Trevin Michaels, who, who had an equally as dominant year. And one of the main reasons we made it to Omaha. And I yep. mean, you just look at the guys that Skip has developed. You know, Cade Cavalli was not a, by any means, a pitcher first kind of guy at the start of his career, but he wanted it. Uh, you know, Cade Horton came in you know, he was a, you know, perfect game type guy, pretty decent name, but I don't think anyone knew that he was going to be top 10, you know, top 10 draft pick guy. So it's, it's all Skip Johnson does is develop. And so, you know, I'm never going to be worried about when we have a big loss on in the pitching staff uh, because we've got Skip Johnson. Well,
2: mm-hmm. You know, on the other side of that, sorry, I, I didn't mean to jump on oh, you. Can cool. I go? No, oh, yeah, no. absolutely. Oh, on the other side of that, Uh, You know, you have Reggie Willits, who's now the associate head coach of the baseball team. I don't know if anybody knew that happened during the offseason. So he's you know, he's getting a a paycheck now to to be coaching. he's no longer the volunteer, which I mean, having Reggie Willits, uh, former Yankee coach, as your volunteer, that's that's pretty insane. But no, he deserves every every bit of that paycheck right now, because Mm -hmm. from all from everything I've been told is that his value to the team is I mean, it's gold because he gives such good insight as to what these guys have to do to make it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be able to draw some, some recruits with the guys like that. I mean, he's, I think they, the, what I had heard is that he was, you know, uh, he had 10 days once he got, got here to go find a recruit and goes out and pulls Dakota Harris. I mean, he pulled him out of the jaws of uh, Tennessee and Georgia. I mean, that's, that's like getting a, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jackson Arnold out of out of there you know that's uh-huh. a hell of a pickup for us I mean and I hate to say it if he's good enough for Tennessee he's good enough for us and <laughs> I, I'm I'm super pleased with those with those types of things uh Anthony McKenzie that's another kid that's kind of a under the radar name but uh he was at Sam Houston State last year and absolutely tore it up and you know we have to replace Blake Robertson I honestly believe that we are going to see more of the same out of that kid I mean, he's just a ball of muscle, and he's probably about twice as fast as mm-hmm. as, uh, as our previous first baseman. But no, we've we've picked up some great great guys. I mean, I know that that everybody thinks that oh, we've lost all these these names, but the same logic that's being applied to teams like Oklahoma State right now <laughs> needs to be applied to OU because Oklahoma State <clears throat> lost all three of theirs. they lost seven of their top inning eaters. Is, is that's what it was called? Why is that not logic not being applied to you right now? Mhm.
1: And I think it probably just has more to do with the the consistent track record from what we've seen up with the baseball program in Stillwater. And, you know, you guys make a really good point. Oklahoma lost 11 players off of last year's team to the to the Major League Baseball draft, most of any program in the country. So as an Oklahoma fan, I think that the immediate urge is to panic and to automatically just assume because of the amount of players lost off of that team last year that Oklahoma is going to be entering a rebuilding phase. Well, that's just simply not been the case when, like you were talking about, JB and Schultzy, you know, when you look at what's getting... Johnson has done in recruiting when you look at what he's brought in in the transfer portal over the last few months you know the the term rebuilding Oklahoma's not even talking about that inside those doors it's simply a reload mentality we were able to find a way to get to Omaha last year we know we've got a young group this season, but it's a young nucleus, or it's a it's a talented young nucleus uh, that's occupy uh, occupying that dugout at Eldale Mitchell Park. And guys, just to to kind of transition here, and Schultz, we'll start with you on this one. A few familiar names do return to this lineup from this from this group a year ago, most notably John Spikeman, Jackson Nicholas, both of which were selected to the preseason all Big 12 team. How do you guys see their roles expanding? after the departures of some of the heavy hitters, like a Peyton Graham from this team, uh, 2022.
3: Yeah, I, I think you you look at, uh, you know, and they've they've already started replacing them, you know, preseason, all-conference, Big 12. Uh, everyone knows what, what they're capable of, and, and they know it too. And, uh, you know, when you look at a guy like Jax, Jax Nicholas, man, there is no more calm, cool and collected person on a baseball field than that, than that kid. And I mean, he was that as a freshman, which is unbelievable. Um, I think what you're looking at is replacing Peyton Graham's power. And uh, a lot of what you're looking to replace to is, is a guy like Blake Robinson's on base percentage. Uh, and I think you, you do that with both of them. Uh, I think, you know, Jackson Nicholas is going to have some serious power numbers. If you haven't seen a photograph of that kid since uh, Omaha, go look, he's put on 15 pounds of muscle. I mean, he's he's going to be hitting ball all around the park. Uh, and then, you know, I don't think we have to worry at all about Spikerman uh, other than him running his legs off because uh, he's just as quick as can be and, you know, had great uh, a great plate approach last year, hits for average, gets on base. So I think those guys are going to be a little bit of your core. I would be shocked if you don't see them batting one and four. And it's just going to be – you know, a really interesting, you know, year to watch them as <laughs> these cool, calm, and collected freshmen move into the team leaders. But I think you probably couldn't want two better guys to move move into those roles.
2: And, you know, looking back at the fall, uh, these guys played, you know, uh, uh, inter, not inter-squad matches, but basically, you know, scrimmage matches against the Texas Rangers, their instructional team. And uh, McClendon Junior College, and I don't know if you guys know who McClendon McGinn- is, but that's uh, Skip Johnson's son's team, and they just won a national title last year, and would beat the absolute breaks off them. And then we take on the Rangers, and also looking back at Madron or, or at the McClendon matchup, isn't that where Madron hit two two grand slams? Uh, yeah, and I'm also pretty sure that uh, Spikerman hit an in the park home run in that game. He did. So they they were just imposing their will. And looking at that treat, I mean, we didn't even talk about Wallace Clark because you add him in with Spikerman and Jackson and KP and Madron. That's a lethal lineup right there in and of itself. And we still have yet to see what, you know, I mean, we have a little bit of tape on on Madron because he's played some high level junior college ball. Uh, He also is good enough to play for the Savannah Bananas, you know, and not their, you know, entertainment team. He was playing for the actual colleg- the last round of the collegiate team, so we have very talented athletes on that on that field right now, and it's going to be a- an entertaining product. I can almost guarantee it.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, Bryce uh, Madron. You mentioned Dakota Harris. I love the yep. the football analogies that you're throwing in there. The Jackson Arnold, uh, basically of the South, there bringing him into OU being such a big deal. Is is Bryce Madron probably the biggest name that OU fans should know? He hit twenty home runs uh, at at Coffey Junior College last year, twenty five stolen bases. Is he the name that you think is probably going to be that household name that OU fans maybe don't know about today, but will by March or, or April? Well,
2: Cali's is another program that's uh, you know consistently competing for national titles, and, and Madron helped with that last year. Yeah, he is. Uh, I guess one of nine guys who you know. Uh, PG was another one of those nine guys in all of college baseball who had, who had 2020 years. So, you know, uh, de facto, we had two 2020 guys last year, you know? And so, yeah, no, that is definitely the name to watch as far as the newcomers go. Uh, You know, as far as the guys on the field that we had from last year, that trio of, of uh, Spikerman, uh, Nicholas and, and Wally, I mean, it, I just get excited. I'm sorry guys. I get excited thinking about, you know, what, what could be these, these next coming months.
3: Yeah. I, I think, I think absolutely. I think Bryce is going to be a household name. I think Dakota yep. Harris is going to be a household name just because he brings, you know, just as much hitting ability as anyone else on the team, but he's probably going to be the um, seemingly be the defensive guy. I mean, he is going to be the guy on all the highlight reels every single game and um, he's going to basically be like Z, uh, all over again, just with a, a better bat. And, um, so Brandon Zaragoza is who I'm referring to, I uh, can just make any play on the field, uh, and make it look easy, but you know, he's going to have the bat that's just going to, you know, light it up too. So, you,
2: you know, you mentioned Z, but you know, we have been very blessed to shortstop for, you know, going on a decade, mm-hmm. you know, you had, uh, uh, Brandon Zaragoza before that we had, uh, Uh, Sheldon Noisy, you know, Peyton Graham, like these are names that are synonymous with defense at the University of Oklahoma, you know, two of which are still on, you know, paths towards the MLB. I know that Noisy has made it, but I mean, he's still got some, 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 uh, he needs to earn some more time up in the league for sure. But what I'm saying is, is that with all that defensive power that we've just mentioned the words, the best defender at shortstop we've had in ages had been used talked when when talking about Dakota Harris and so and when I in the people that I talk to they don't use those kinds of superlatives all the time mm-hmm. well
1: guys I know that we're still a little over a week away from from opening day but uh, it's never too early to talk about expectations and I kind of feel like once diamond sports season rolls around expectations are really only talked about with softball but when your baseball program makes a run to the College World Series and is two wins away from winning a national championship, you've got to talk expectations for this group going into 2023. So, guys, true or false, success this year for OU baseball is measured as hosting a regional in Norman.
2: I don't know if uh, Brandon and I line up on this or not, but uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd say false. Uh, you know, baseball is not not like football we're making a consistent run you know at the the final four as far as your uh you know the the, football terms go you know making the the college football playoff Mm -hmm. not everybody does that in college football not everybody makes Omaha so for me success this year would be being in a super regional by hook or by crook any way you can get there and that's I mean that's what they did last year just got in I mean they they were ranked you know, fairly well by the time we did get in, by the time they started just to rank them. Remember that, Brandon? Oh, yeah.
3: Yep. Geez Louise. Just right after either Texas Tech or after the conference tournament. Yeah.
2: Really well, one. I mean, even before that, it took them the almost the last or last two weeks of the season to even put month in the rankings.
3: Yeah.
2: But and it's more of the same this year. And that's why I honestly believe that our team doesn't even really care about rankings. They don't care about, you know, the golden glo- gold gloves that they've won. All they care about is making Omaha. So yes, the goal is to make it to Omaha, but it would be disappointing if we are not in a super regional.
1: Schulte, expectations for you? Yeah, so uh,
3: echoing that, uh, what what I think would be would be a good expectation is a a regional final, um, and that's going to be a, a disappointment to most people uh, and and to the team. I mean, not getting back to home, Omaha is going to be a disappointment to the team, but. Uh, going deep into a regional consistently year after year is what builds programs. Uh, you know, making it to Omaha is not what builds uh, good D one baseball programs. It's, it's being a regional contender year in and year out um, and, and regional contender. I mean, you know, being in that championship game and having a chance to play in a super regional and be, you know, two games away from Omaha uh, expectation wise, you know, we, everyone, we were talking a little bit before, you know, everyone's going to comp softball, Totally get it. It's a spring sport where people use bats. I mean, it's just, it's easy to do. Uh, one thing I would, I would draw people's attention to is go look at the rankings, the D1 baseball rankings from 2022, and go look at the wins and losses. And why it's important is what you want to look at is the losses in those top, you know, 15, 20 teams, and then go to baseball and look at the losses a lot of those D1 softball programs that are in your top uh, top of the you know top 15 10 13 single digit 11 losses when you get into baseball it's 20 something losses yeah there's an expectation of that oh you know baseball can only it's it's like softball right you're going to have 3 5 10 loss season it's just not the case in D1 baseball you know you play mm-hmm. And I don't want to make it sound like softball isn't competitive. It is, but around around the you know NCAA baseball, it's it's just teams can come bite you. A lot of that is because you can't lean on a dominant pitcher for a whole weekend in baseball. Like you can't hide behind a dominant pitcher, um, and so yeah.
0: It is different. I mean, and in baseball, looking back at past College World Series, two, maybe three teams a year repeat in Omaha every single year. So it is much more difficult to make that type of return trip. And we did ask Twitter and got some of those responses uh, where people were saying, hey, the expectation is Omaha now. Only eight teams make that. And it's very difficult to do that. So I'm a little little bit concerned because a lot of new baseball fans are going to be showing up here, uh, you know, to... You know, pay attention to baseball games, whether that's going to the games or just watching on TV or listening on the radio, whatever it is that their involvement might be. Uh, I think it's important to remember that it is going to be a long season. There's a lot of new names on this team, and there's going to be a feeling out process probably for Skip and the crew to figure out what's going on. Um,
1: so, At, really, Adam, I wish you had the Adam, I wish you had the same uh, take on your expectations regarding OU football. Football is different. We have Football's a standard, different. a very high standard for that. But I guess what I'm looking at
0: here is, and I guess my ask to you, uh, Johnny and Schultzy is, hey, preach, preach some patience and, and put some perspective around that for OU fans that are probably going to be tuning in. They may see something like we saw last year where, you know, you lose a series to New Orleans, for example, but that doesn't mean that the season is over.
2: Well, and, you know, baseball already gets a bad rap because people think it's automatically think it's boring. I can tell you that if you come to an OE baseball game and you, and you leave thinking it's boring, it's not because of the product on the field. College baseball can be some of the funnest baseball you can ever be involved in, regardless of the product on the field. When we get to the SEC, there are going to be some dog water programs. I'm not, gonna, not I'm I'm not not joking. There are going to be some times where teams just aren't going to be able to compete in the SEC and they're going to be at the very, very bottom of the league. But some of those teams still have very fun atmospheres regardless of them making the the postseason. I mean, uh, Old Miss or mm-hmm. Mississippi state, did they, they missed the SEC tournament last year? Did they not?
0: Yeah. Or, I think you're right.
2: Yeah. So yeah. And, and they have one of the most raucous atm- atmospheres in college baseball, you know, coming, you know, I've been kind of talking with some of those guys and they're pretty excited for us to be around. They want us to be on, on par with them so that when they show up, they can have, you know, the same kind of fun that they have at their park. And I, I want that for all of us. And so, you know, if I don't believe there's going to be a lull this year, as far as the product on the field. So I don't really think we need to worry about that. One of the things that I think people need to understand is that this isn't softball and yes, softball is a fun sport to watch because it's very high, 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 you know, uh, fast paced base college baseball can be very fast paced, but not nearly on the same terms as softball. And so just let it happen is, is what I'm trying to say. Show up to a game, be it inside or outside, you know, we now serve beer at the, at the at baseball games. I mean, that's only been like two or three years old. I don't even know if people know that we serve beer at baseball <laughs> games. But even even then, out on the berms, it's free. And so, I mean, you bring your own at least. <laughs> but no, you can have a lot of fun at a college baseball game. I mean, I see people having fun at OCU games here in the city. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Definitely. Yeah, no, I just, I'll echo that um, expectation wise, or, you know, what, what to say to fans for, for patience throughout the year, um, it, have some faith in the, in the process is what I would say. I mean, there's a lot, there, this team is going to be infuriating at times because we're, we are going to run and say, stop, try and stop us. That's going to be the, you know, the chaos mantra is going to, is going yep. to happen. And there's going to be some games we're going to get thrown out a couple of times. It may cost us a game. Um, and, and you just got to trust the fact that that's what got you to Omaha last year. Uh, understand that that's what got you to Omaha last year and just take the lumps when you face a a catcher that's unconscious, throwing guys out in a game, you know, there's nothing you can do about it, but that, that gameplay and that style is, is going to work. And so Mm -hmm. just relax, like Johnny said, and come out and enjoy a game. It's spring. Uh, the weather is usually, I mean, you know, Eldil is known notorious for being cold but um you know it is spring uh, when you get later into the year especially like man there's no better place than to just be out at a ballpark get some sun after a nice long winter and just you know enjoy being with your family and uh, a spectator sport it, it is it is you know worth it regardless of the outcome
2: O- OU doesn't like me talking about how cold it gets inside LDM. I, you know, I have a few bones to pick with the the stadium as it is. We used to have a a, a faux dippin' dots machine that was broke for, I mean, probably six or seven years. It was pretty hilarious because every year I'd ask, "Is the dippin' dots machine fixed yet?" But no, that that and the reason I I will bring this up as to why it's cold in there does need to be some change as far as, you know, getting those renovations done. And maybe if enough people show up and freeze their butt off and complain about it, we might get some of those renovations earlier. I mean, if people are showing up in droves and freezing their butts off, they will be more than likely more apt to say, Hey, maybe here's a, you know, a couple million dollars. Don't make it cold near anymore. But no, it's a, it's a wind tunnel through there. And I have a feeling that where I've bought tickets this year is, gonna be ground zero for the ice storm of the century come come next week and watch but no it's uh they don't like when i talk about how cold it gets inside there but it does
0: yeah, I've spent many uh, cold oh. days walking around that facility, and uh, I, I understand that. Uh, well, well, two more things before we let you guys go, and we would greatly appreciate you jumping on. I can't think of uh, two more plugged-in individuals to what's going on with OU baseball and just the uh, OU baseball, you know, fan experience that's going on on the internet. Um, before we kind of give a shout out to what you know type of work you guys are, are doing online right now, uh, Johnny, I know you messaged me uh, earlier, and you really wanted to give a special shout out to. Uh, the Ryan Miner situation. Um, so I'll, I'll let you have the floor here.
2: Yeah. Well, Ryan Miner is a former OU baseball player and basketball player. He was actually on the uh, uh, 90, 94 national title team and uh, he's in a battle with cancer right now. And uh, I, I'm, after we're done here, I'd like for us to post the GoFundMe if you don't mind, because I mean it's, fighting cancer is not cheap. And we want him to have every bit of, uh, you know, fight as he can get the best best doctors that, that can be bought. And so uh, if we can do that, and if everybody can keep him in their, their prayers, I would really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, certainly. Well, uh, I know we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we've got both your Twitter profiles linked in our show notes. Make sure to give Schultz and Johnny Baseball a follow to the best uh, in regards to everything that's going on for OU Baseball. Um, They host a ton of Twitter spaces, the New Rope Twitter spaces, which are a ton of fun. You got a lot of players jumping in there. Um, I just uh, listened to the uh, one from the other day, actually, um, that recorded on the podcast there. And it was a lot of fun just to hear from all different players, uh, both current and former uh, that were on there. It's, it's, it's unique. You don't often get that type of access to players, but, um, I know you guys also have a, a big new venture here that just started with uh, the Oklahoma baseball experience. That's also linked in our show notes here. Make sure to, to click on that, give them a follow, subscribe to that podcast. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to share anything in regards to, you know, that project or anything else to that, you just want to give a shout out to.
2: Yeah, the uh, I want to start with the new rope Twitter space because I think that's one of the most unique things we have going on around uh, OU Sports right now. You know, uh, our friend Travis has his rumors and news. And I'm, I'm not, i believe me, I, I love everything that Travis does. Uh, sometimes those Twitter spaces can get to be, you know, kind of a, a madhouse as far as people talking and not being able to hear the people that we came to listen to, you know. And not that Brandon and I are anything special, but when we have those Twitter Spaces, it, we have players on all the time, and so we like to run it like it's a radio show. And we have our regulars who we know who will ask some great questions, and we're always open to have people ask uh, you know new new questions because we we want to grow the fan base. We're not trying to gatekeep by any means. But those, uh, those Twitter spaces are a ton of fun because you're exactly right. It's a chance for you to get some access to the program that not many other teams have. I mean, we had uh, you know, Griffin Miller on there. We had David Sandlin on you know, last week. Uh, we're going to be taking a break this week to record our season preview for the, the Oklahoma baseball experience. But you know, once the season starts, those are going to become a, a, a regular thing. Uh, we try to have one once a week. And so it's, they're, they're super fun.
3: Yeah. Super great environment. And, you know, we've been very fortunate to get former players. Uh, Like you said, Brady Lindsley had come on catcher Mm and in in that uh, 2020 year. And and even before that Um, we've had Kendall Rogers uh, from D one baseball on a few times, you know, that's a, that's a big name around college baseball. We're you know very fortunate to be able to pick his brain on stuff. And so it's, it's a, it is a really good time. And then like you said, a, a unique experience, um, I would just say there's 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 a lot more that we're working on. Uh, last year was kind of year one, uh, ground zero. We didn't know when we started it whether we would just be two guys like you you all had mentioned before, just you know sitting around a, an iPhone talking about OU baseball and no one joined. We had we had no idea um, that it was going to take off or that people were going to join and um, enjoy it. That players would even come in. So uh, we've got a lot planned. Uh, I I feel like we've only scratched the surface. We're we're trying to do our part to you know get the fan base going and, and and get us into the SEC and uh and I think it really just goes back to the kids man just get them the support and and the fan base that they deserve because you know when you when you play any level of college sports it's it's impressive when you play D1 it's very impressive when you play in a power 5 it's even more impressive so uh these kids deserve a lot and they deserve a lot of attention and and they put in the work for it so
2: well you know when when you're out of Eldel, and you know they're they got that, uh, boomer sooner, boomer sooner. You know that, that old, that old pitcher's butt puckers like that. That that <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. That spirit. Oh,
0: I love it. What a what a great way to finish the interview here. I appreciate you guys so much for, for jumping on, um, giving us more time than we asked for, and and absolutely everything that you guys are doing on Twitter, on on your podcast, um, just everything that you're doing for the community of, of OU baseball fans. And, and it's exciting to see that you guys are kind of leading that effort and growing the fan base. So thanks so much for everything that you guys do, and thanks so much for jumping on with us here on the mainline podcast. Really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, guys. We appreciate absolutely. it.
3: Thank y'all.
1: Well, that was fantastic, Adam. And again, we want to thank our special guest on tonight's episode, Johnny Baseball and uh, Brandon Schultz. JB and Schultz, fantastic. You're not going to find two more plugged-in diehard OU baseball fans. Appreciate their time, them coming on the podcast. Look forward to talking to them again. But, Adam... That's not the only diamond sport that kicks off here uh, th- this week. Uh, the OU uh, Oklahoma softball team, Patty Gasso squad, looking for the trifecta, the three-peat uh, chase for back-to-back-to-back national championships is on starting this weekend out in Irvine, California. And, Adam, I'm so excited. We talk about this every single year, you know, the – O- Ou football, that's you know that's king in this state. That's where our you know that's where our fandom originated. But when you talk about just one of the best fan bases, one of the best teams, coaches, programs to follow, it doesn't get any better than what Patty Gasso and this OU softball program has built over the last twenty plus years. So let's just kind of dive right into it, Adam. Obviously, a lot of new faces. New challenge, new schedule this year uh, with the, with this OU softball squad. Let's just kind of dive into it, man. No Jocelyn Allo. You lose some pitching from a year ago. Uh, the the one of the things that Patty Gasso prides herself on uh, year in and year out is testing her uh, testing her team early in the non conference schedule. Very tough slate to to get things going right away the first month or so of the season. But let's just kind of dive into it, man. Let's start with the uh, the pitching staff, Jenna Roach's group, and you. Put this in the outline, Adam, and I think that you've got a pretty good case to be made. I think that Oklahoma this season ultimately will see how it plays out. But just on paper, with what Oklahoma has got in that pitching staff, I think a case is to be made that this could possibly go down as being one of the greatest pitching staffs of all time. Certainly one of the best collective staffs in OU softball history.
0: Definitely. You got Jordy Ball leading things off there. She was pretty much unstoppable as a true freshman. You've got Nicole May, a name that I think a lot of people thought might transfer before last year, maybe even after this year, to have more of a premier role at pretty much any program outside of OU in the entire nation. And then you add Alex uh, Starocco out of Michigan, a strong softball program in Michigan, Mm -hmm. one of the few others that is pretty strong. Um, She's going to come in. You've got three pretty solid, you know, to elite level pitchers that could be, you know, the dominant arm at pretty much anywhere else in the country. And we're stacking them all here together at OU and things, let's look, it used to be, you know, you had one pitcher that kind of carried your team even as little mm-hmm. as 10 years ago. And now Patty's got her program to the point where she could literally roll out three different starters on a weekend, rest everybody's arms, put Jordy Ball into, a, you know, the hitting lineup on her, her on her off day. Mm-hmm. It, the strength out
1: of this pitching staff is incredible. Well, when you start with Jordy Ball, you're talking about the best pitcher in college softball. Not many true freshmen have gone through and got to experience what Jordy did a season ago. She won a national championship, pitched in the biggest state biggest moments on this stage, but I think Adam the probably the thing that's got me the most excited about Jordy Ball, not necessarily the growth that she's going to make from year 1 to year 2, but it's the fact that she's healthy. And I think that that's going to make a lot of Oklahoma fans smile. The forearm is healed. She's ready to go. And one of the things that's going to be so nice, you talked about how deep you know this pitching staff is as a whole – we're not going to be forced to trot Jordy out there, you know, two out of three games every single week. And you're going to be able to kind of slowly progress her as the season goes on. Let her kind of get back in form. That way, once you get into Big 12 conference play and once you start looking towards regionals and postseason, then you're starting to see peak Jordy Ball uh, firing on all cylinders. But just going down the list, man, Nicole May, we all know what this girl's capable of. You know, she's a veteran here at the University of Oklahoma. Pat even said in her news conference yesterday, she feels like Nicole May Best season is coming, and that kicks off here in just a few more days. Alex Durocco, experience dominant in the Big Ten. And, you know, Adam, you look at the stats on what Miss Durocco has done in her last two years at Michigan in the circle 47 and 11, 1.38 ERA, 99 walks. Just a few strikeouts, Adam, 570 Ks in two seasons for Mr. Rocco at Michigan. And then, oh, okay, by the way, there's pitchers one, two, and three. We're going to round it out with the number one player, uh, the number one overall player in the softball class of 2022, and that's Kirsten Deal, the Southpaw. So much raw talent. When you think about Southpaws and Oklahoma softball, some of the greatest pitchers in college softball history come to mind. Parker, Lowry, Ricketts. Kirsten Deal has a chance. You know, she's got all the raw talent. She's got all the skills and the ability with Jenna Roach and Patty Gasso able to coach and develop her. I think you're going to start seeing KD as being the – uh, the, you know, the, the future next, you know, great lefty Southpaw in an Oklahoma softball uniform. And all four of these pitchers can help in significant ways throughout this season. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch how not just these girls pitch, but how does Patty manage this pitching staff? That way she's able to maximize and keep these girls, not just fresh, but keep them, you know, sharp, you know, 110%. Let's look at the lineup. Because as good as the pitching staff is, the lineup might just be that much better. And, you know, we all talk about losing Jocelyn Allo a year ago. How's Oklahoma going to figure out a way to, to to produce runs, to hit the long ball? You go down this lineup, Adam, I do not see any weaknesses one through nine. This might be Patty's deepest and, and best uh, lineup that she's had since she took over in Norman. Yeah. You look up and down the
0: lineup and you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we get this player in that hit double digit home runs at a different school that transferred to OU. And now you're like, okay, we got to fit her in the lineup somewhere, but where is, where's the opening? Because there's so much talent just oozing out of, out of this roster. Uh, And I think you kind of alluded to it there with the pitching. There's so much depth in the pitching staff that now you can add Jordy Ball's bat to the lineup one that we didn't really get a full taste of last year, but mm-hmm. she's an elite hitter. Uh, at least she was in high school, and I'm excited to see what she might be able to do behind the plate uh, when she's not pitching. I think she probably figures into right field in some scenario there, but mm-hmm. um, you've got elite, elite lineup here, and defensively, right up the middle, Grace Lyons and T.R.A. Jennings, great hitters, but mm-hmm. absolute you know, stalwarts defensively that – they're going to help raise those stats that you just gave for uh, Alex Taracco and, and all the other pitchers, uh, make them look even better. So, yeah, I, I don't really know where where the holes in the lineup really are.
1: Yeah, I mean, just talking about TRA Jennings and Grace Lyons, you know, that's the best middle infield duo, both, you know, defensively and swinging the bat as well, that you're going to find anywhere in the country in college softball. Uh, you know, Kenzie Hansen, you know, coming back. under the Patty Gasso and that coaching staff is expecting a lot of things. You know, Kenzie kind of struggled a little bit last year, was dealing with some injury problems, but she was able to close her season out in a big way in Oklahoma City at the College World Series. She's back for another season. And I think that you're going to see some flexibility with how how well-rounded this roster is. Patty's talked all offseason about how she's forcing her girls to, you know, there's so much competition on this team, one through, you know, 20 on this roster. She's forcing these girls to be able to learn and master two, three, even sometimes four positions. That way you can figure out a way to get your best nine on the field at all times. But we all talk about Terry Jennings, the Captain Grace Lyons, and I want to talk a little bit about the two transfers. Maybe a couple newcomers OU fans aren't are going to be uh, too familiar with when they trot out here starting this weekend. Sydney Sanders, who many people peg her as being the uh, uh, kind of the replacement first baseman for OU once this season gets underway, transferred from Arizona State, 2022 All American. She was Pac 12 Freshman of the Year last season, hit 425 with 21 home runs. She's bringing a fellow Arizona State teammate with her, and what many people expect to, to occupy that left field position in Alina Torres. First team All Pac 12. A true utility player in every sense of the word. She can play three, four, even sometimes five positions. She's fully capable of doing so at a high level. And then, you know, we all know about Jada Coleman hitting four thirty-five in her career through her first two seasons in an Oklahoma uniform. She's the, she's the Energizer Bunny. She's the spark plug of this group. She's the straw that stirs the drink. And then you talk about the designated player. We were able to uh, get a really, really nice addition to this team out of the College Station area, and that is designated player Haley Lee, first team All SEC a year ago, a true power hitter in every sense of the word, with 40 home runs over the last two seasons. This lineup from top to bottom, Adam, is just it's just scary, and I love this quote from Patty Gasso, what we got last uh, yesterday at her press conference when she was asked about her lineup and you know potentially how dangerous this could be for opposing teams pitching. And this was her quote. She said, you can probably predict the lineup. One and two is going to be Jada Coleman and TRA e. Jennings. But then after that, boom, 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 boom. And then you've got Riley Boone, who can also Boone. So you look at this lineup, Adam. Can you replace Jocelyn Allo's production level from the last three or four seasons? No, of course not. But... Even though she's the best hitter in the history of the sport, Tiare Jennings, who I know you have been on this uh, bandwagon for the last couple of seasons, she's kind of outpacing Jocelyn in, in a lot of uh, hitting statistical categories. So when you look at this lineup, one through nine, it's as scary and as deep as any lineup Patty Gasso has had since she's been the softball coach at Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, T.R.A. Jennings, huge fan. Uh, I'm the president of the T.R.A. Jennings Fan Club. And I don't think she's underappreciated by any means. Everyone recognizes that she's an All-American, one of the elite players in all of college softball. But she does get a little bit overshadowed because she's putting up incredible numbers, but they're not the career numbers just yet because Uh she just finished her second year in college. So I think people are going to start recognizing everything that she's putting together, um, as a career this year, uh, here in Norman and people start to understand, Oh, she's pretty much just as good as Jocelyn allo. Uh, the numbers say that, um, if you look at them, you mentioned Haley green, the transfer from college station. She was kind of the one that I was wondering like, well, where do I fit her in? Because you've already got Sydney Sanders probably at first you've got Alyssa Brito at at third and most, uh, in all likelihood. And she was one that really came on strong towards the end of the year, Mm -hmm. um, had some key hits, um, Throughout the postseason, you've got Riley Boone. Who you mentioned Jada Coleman. So it's like, man, where does where does Haley Green fit in? She's probably the backup catcher when Kenzie Hansen you know, plays mm-hmm. at first base. But that's insane that you've got someone that hit 15 home runs at Texas A&M last year. That's uh, you know, may not play a whole lot. Might be, you know, your your rotational player, um, you know, game to game, which mm-hmm. it's great. It's you, you love to have that type of depth that can give some players some mm-hmm. days off to rest and stay fresh as you approach, you know, the the postseason there.
1: And I thought it was really good what we heard from Patty yesterday when you know, because a lot of people, when you look at the statistics, a lot of people are going to try to make the comparison Tiara versus Jocelyn with what Tiara still has the capability of doing over the next two seasons. And Patty kind of spoke on it really, really well and was talking about. You know, Tiara Jennings, as good as she is, she doesn't have to be Jocelyn Allo. She just has to be Tiara Jennings because Tiara is pretty damn good doing what she does each of the last two seasons. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Like I said, this thing, this thing starts this weekend when Oklahoma travels out to Irvine, California. They're going to face three top 20 teams this weekend alone in Duke, Stanford, and Washington. But before we kind of do a little bit of a uh, brief outlook on the schedule, Adam, when you've got a team that's coming off back-to-back national championships that's going to have a pitching staff that's probably the best on paper that Oklahoma has ever had, period, to go along with a lineup one through nine that is as deadly as any lineup in college softball right now, how do you measure this year as a success? It, is it national championship or bust? Is it undefeated? To Where do you go from here? Because the bar is so, so high right now in Norman. I think it is national championship or bust. I think that's the
0: easy question. And I think there's, it's actually a pretty easy answer. I think maybe the better question and maybe what I should have um, put on our outline to ask here was how do we measure whether this team is better than last year's? Cause a lot of people Mm -hmm. are saying that right now they're saying, Hey, this team is more loaded than it was last year, but how do you measure that? Because OU was number one in pretty much every team category that you could measure uh, from a statistical standpoint and not by a small margin, by a wide margin, in a lot Mm -hmm. of categories. Talking about number one in ERA at one point oh five per game, number one in scoring at nine point three runs per game. They won ninety five percent of their games. Uh, you know, this past season, I think Patty's at something like eighty two percent winning percentage for her it's overall insane. career, yes. and it's only going to go up. It seems so. Yes, I, I don't know how you really compare that and say, okay, well, what what do you look at to say this team is better than last year's team?
1: Well, I think ultimately, you know the the number one judge judge of success this this year is going to be the wins and losses. I mean, that's that's top to bottom. You know, Oklahoma is poised to win another national championship, be the first team ever to to win a three P. But I think if you're really trying to Judge how good this team is compared to you know the Lauren Chamberlain's group, Aaron Miller's group, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, Jocelyn Allo, you know, some of the teams Oklahoma's had over the last three to four seasons. I think you're really going to only going to be able to compare that by judging this team's statistics as a whole over what this uh, OU program has done each of the last five or six years. But li- like you said, I mean, number one in the country in ERA, number one in pretty much every single statistical category in hitting. I just simply don't know. One, it's amazing to me that Patty is able to get this amount of production consistently year after year. And, you know, just kind of looking at this schedule outlook, man, I mean, Oklahoma was the unanimous number one team in the country. If you go by the NFCA coaches poll, OU number one, Oklahoma State at number three, Texas coming in at number six. So Big 12 softball, uh, it's as good as any conference in America. We feel like we say that about most sports uh, each of the last couple of seasons here. Uh, in, in big 12 countries. So, but like I said, this weekend alone, you're traveling out to Irvine, California. You want to start this thing off in a big way, go undefeated, uh, come back home. Uh, and then you've really, Adam, you've got a challenging non-conference schedule. And I thought it was interesting that Patty talked about it yesterday when she was sp- speaking on the fact that she pretty much said, Teams are scared shitless to play Oklahoma in the non-conference schedule. She said that it's been a scheduling nightmare trying to find teams to agree to play uh, Oklahoma this year, and that's why you're going to have to see some road trips this year. OU has to play UCLA, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Florida State, Auburn. That is a – very very daunting non conference schedule and that 's one of my favorite things that Patty does is she tests her teams early that way she knows once conference play gets around she knows what she has in that locker room she knows what adjustments and little tweaks she has to make in order to, you know to to win another big twelve championship to win another national title and I just simply cannot wait to watch it it's 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 so much fun it's my favorite fan base uh, of this university i'm sorry' football but You just go out there, man, and we don't even have the new stadium yet, and you go out there for a Tuesday game at 6 o'clock, and there's 200 people out in the parking lot tailgating at 3.30. It's that enjoyable uh, of a sport and a team to follow, and I can't wait to watch it.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit easier to do that when there's pretty much uh, no one standing in your way and you're winning pretty much everything in sight. So. Uh, it, it's a little bit different, but yes, like I agree with you. It is a ton of fun and there's so much joy um, just in the players and they're able to transfer that so well to, uh, to the fans that are, that are there in attendance. And it's exciting and um, it is going to be, it's good, it's good schedule. I mean, I think there's 10 of the top 25 uh, in the uh, D1 softballs uh, rankings there that he's going to match up against the non-conference schedule. So we'll find out pretty early that, you know, is this team really as good as they're advertised and, they won't be able to sleepwalk through any of that they're going to have to bring their a game every single day
1: and I think that one of if you go back I, I encourage all Oklahoma softball fans go back and listen to the press conference that Grace Lyons gave yesterday we there's so much talk in the in the media and from the fan base, you know going for a three p winning a third consecutive national championship and Grace Lyons kind of set the record straight on that. Yes, in the back of their minds, they think about that, but what they're truly focused on right now. Is not how can we win a national championship? What do we have to do from right now? I guess you could even go back as far as like the last four to five months with the offseason and the, you know, this team building into what it's going to start out at here in a couple of days, but how can we become not just a national championship team, but what do we need to do to to cement ourselves as being the greatest OU softball team of all time? And it kind of feels like when you win back-to-back national championships and you're not getting pushed consistently by some of your competition, you kind of have to start – you almost have to do the Nick Saban or the Kirby Smart approach where you've got to kind of find certain things within your locker room, inside your program, to motivate you to continue to climb to that next level. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Can't wait to see what Patty's done this offseason uh, with this group that uh, that's going to start here on Thursday. The
0: awkward transition. Into Do we have to? Basketball. It's been
1: such a fun, enjoyable show so far. <laughs> Do we even have to touch on? The, we the we have to wood? talk about it because it is
0: it is new and news and noteworthy. Let's start on the men's side. Mm. <sighs> Terrible, awful week uh, of basketball following the miracle of the World Noble Center um, against Alabama. Even though I think people that were plugged in, and that's a lot of OE fans, people pay attention to what's going on with basketball. People knew that 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 was fool's gold against Alabama, but we didn't think it would be this bad going into uh, the matchups against Oklahoma State. Absolutely embarrassing. The matchups against West Virginia. Absolutely embarrassing. Um, We did get a report today by, you know, questionable account on Twitter. That's how I'll phrase it, I guess. Someone that I wouldn't consider super credible, but has a lot of followers is putting maybe some, some pieces together on Porter Moser and interest from Notre Dame and the possibility that that could happen. It certainly feels odd that that would happen. Tyler, I guess how do you feel about that if there was any validity to that rumor about Porter Moser potentially going to Notre Dame?
1: I've been in the camp of regardless of how this season goes, you need to give Porter Moser one more year, another year's worth of recruiting, his guys coming into the program. But you know, Adam, as bad as this team is, twelve and eleven on the year, two and eight in Big Twelve country or Big Twelve, uh, you know, conference play, the Big Twelve just simply doesn't allow any team to hide. If if you have any weaknesses whatsoever, you know, whether that's the the inability to to play down low, we all we've talked about it time and time again. Oklahoma just simply doesn't have uh, the ability. To, uh, the difference makers down low from the center of the power forward position to be able to compete in this league. We also, we all saw Oklahoma state take advantage of it. We all saw, um, you know, TCU take advantage of it as well. I'm just looking at the the schedule, Adam, looking down the the rest of this <laughs> this slate for Oklahoma over these next eight weeks uh, ranked teams, 14, nine, 12, five, 11, 12, 17. Your easiest game left on your schedule is at home against a Texas Tech team that's probably – I know that the, you beat them in Lubbock a year ago, but Texas Tech's gotten tr- uh, a lot better as the season's gone on. I think a serious case could be made. Oklahoma may not win another game the rest of the regular season. You could seriously be looking at a 2-15 and 15, uh conference play record from Porter Moser's group. So that brings us back to your your question about the the Notre Dame rumors Porter Moser possibly exiting early to take the the head coaching job uh, up there in South Bend Indiana. if he wants to go, let him go. I know that you, you can speak on this a little bit better. I know that there's a buyout clause re- regarding his contract. Maybe Oklahoma can figure out a way to get around that. But if he's even looking elsewhere right now, if his head isn't 110% focused on this team and this program, you let him walk. We all know about Kellen Sampson. We all know about a couple of the other names that are you know kind of high on OU's wish list as far as the fans go from who they'd like to see as a head coach if Porter Mosier gets the boot or takes a job elsewhere. But this season's a failure. Two and eight Big Twelve conference play. You're going to finish below 500 uh, total record. You're going to finish probably three and 16, three and 15 in, in Big Twelve play. It's it's embarrassing. This team. I know that they're not as talented as the Kansases, the Texases, the OSUs, but this is a much better team than two and eight in the Big Twelve conference shows. I'm of the
0: opinion that if Notre Dame wants him, let's do everything possible to help him get there and whether that's waiving the buyout because we're in year two at this point, and we're seeing coaches in year one do far better uh, without their guys in place with using the transfer portal, with using whatever's on campus and Porter's had two opportunities to do that. And we haven't seen any success. I could, I would say this year we're probably regressing. And so the only benefit I see for next year is maybe holding on to two top 100 recruits, which is great, but it's kind of a, a dead man walking at that point without really any hope or reason for fans to show up and support the program. Uh, we're, look, we're staring in the face, like you mentioned there, of probably losing out, uh, potentially losing out the rest of the year. If that does happen, um, not taking into account you know conference, championship, uh, tournament games there. But if that does happen, that's a 38% winning percentage. That's the equivalent of football going four and eight or five and seven. And if you're to tell me that, Hey, Brent Venables goes four and eight or five and seven next year, and we need to give him another third year, just to kind of put it in football terms, you know, uh, that's to me, not acceptable, not interested in that. Uh, you know, we've seen it. Maybe he's just not the fit. we we saw him at Illinois state, what he did as a head coach there. Uh, and we see what he's done at OU. We see Loyola now that seems to be the outlier. So it's frustrating as it is. If Notre Dame is willing to take him, let's hand deliver him. you know, in my opinion, but, um, yeah, there's just no hope for this program, and I think that's a bad position to be going into next year with no real hope.
1: Well, and it's just a bad brand of basketball that we're seeing night in and night out. The Alabama perform performance that was an anomaly. I mean, you, you get one type of performance like that a year where you shoot lights out, and the other team shows up, it can't. Uh, you know, they, they can build a house with all the bricks that, that they shoot in, but it's it's just uninspiring basketball. Um, Women's basketball, on the other hand, they did what they needed to do last week, bouncing back with two victories. Now the game currently in progress. I think it might have already gone final down in Waco against the Lady Bears.
0: Update here, it is going to overtime. So when people are listening to this, they'll oh, know Oh, the shit, okay. That. Yeah, okay. but OU was down five with 20 seconds remaining, found a way to get five quick points, tie it up, nice. um, going into overtime here. So this is kind of their last opportunity, really, in my opinion. They, they'll play Texas at home here in, I think, a, a week or so. Um, so yeah. that'll be a huge game. But outside of tonight's game against Baylor and then the Texas game at home, mm-hmm. really not many op- uh, resume-boosting opportunities. There's a lot of teams that aren't really good, like Texas Tech. and Yeah, uh, tough KK's game KK's on there. Yeah. yeah,
1: tough game on the road this weekend up in Manhattan uh, against K-State. But like you said, if you can figure out a way to to knock off Baylor in Waco tonight in overtime, that's a fantastic week, great, fantastic win, great start to the week for Jenny Baranchek's group. We'll see if they can, you know, build on that this weekend. You've got the, you know, the, the play for K, the pink game coming up here next week. That's going to be a lot of fun. That's always a well, you know, a really good turnout. And we encourage fans to get out to the LNC to check out Jenny Baranchek's group. But, you know, I, there's one team that's for damn sure not going to be playing in March, and that's Porter Moser's group. But on the other hand, with the, with this women's basketball team, as well as they played all season long, uh, they're pushing to host in the first round, Adam. Which is definitely a position you
0: want to be in. Right now, I think the, the last bracketology I saw had them as a number seven seed going to Iowa City. Um, so th- this is an opportunity, you know, people listening will already know the result of the game against Baylor. That's a, that's a resume booster opportunity. Texas will be a resume booster here in a few weeks. And then probably mm-hmm. the conference tournament is going to be where you're going to be able to make the biggest run and, and statement for, hey, we need to be a host. And I think that's really important because fans are starting to recognize this team and um, hosting a, a tournament game in Norman again this year with fans understanding that hey the team's actually good when you go out and support them that can be a huge advantage there uh for the Sooners and I think that's what they need to push for to be able to set themselves up for success but really just comes down to take care of business beat who you should steal a few from you know some of those competitive games and you're in great position there
1: yeah couldn't agree with you more and like I said I really don't have anything else to add uh to, to this definitely not on the men's side of things but yeah Fantastic podcast, Adam. Um, having John, having JB and and Schultze join us, talk a little bit of uh, OU baseball coming up here, starting in less than ten days or so. Softball, uh, it, it's a fantastic time of year. You got the spring game coming up in April. It's going to be a really fun time to to be an OU fan. Uh, and we encourage all uh, you know OU fans in the Norman, Oklahoma City, even in the Dallas area, get out, get out to El Dell Mitchell Park this year. Support OU baseball. I know tickets are sold out. There's also the secondary market. Figure out a way to get out to Marita Hines. Check out this team; it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. OU softball poised to make another run to Oklahoma City and win a third consecutive national championship. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, Adam. Yeah.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. Follow us on Twitter at the Mainline Pod. Give us a shout there. Follow us on YouTube by searching the Mainline Podcast. And of course, uh, if you enjoy this, give us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. We greatly appreciate. it. Oh
1: wait, 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 wait! We can't can't get out of here first. Super Bowl pick this week. OU fan or OU players covered on both sides of the field who you got this weekend i I think i
0: gotta go eagles just because i I do like kansas city's offense they're fun to watch but Mm -hmm. i mean they've been there so a
1: little underdog i guess with the eagles i'm a diehard dallas cowboys fan it pains me to say that i'm going to be rooting for the philadelphia eagles has nothing to do with the team it's strictly because of Jalen hurts i think that that's an incredible story you talk about the elite quarterbacks at the university of oklahoma the last 20 years Jalen, who's maybe been the most scrutinized out of any single one of them in his, what, second year? He's going to win a Super Bowl? First year? Third. Third? Third, a... third year? All right. Second yeah, or
0: third? his third year, yeah. Yeah, has an opportunity
1: <laughs> yeah. to win a Super Bowl, be the first OU quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Uh, so good luck to Jalen and the Eagles this weekend. Uh, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world though, if the Chiefs won it. It'd be nice to see Creed Humphrey, uh, the pride of Shawnee, win a super bowl ring be a lot of fun to see but adam let's get out of here (laughs) yeah for sure
0: thanks everyone for listening we'll see everyone again for the next episode of the mainline podcast